0: earth ecology biodiversity sustainability environment animals indigenous land rights climate change regenerative agriculture the podcast dedicated to these topics and more topics that are arguably among the most important issues of our time the equilibrium podcast with your host, Ryan Young. On today's podcast, we speak with two ganye men who are working to bring back the horticultural traditions of their ancestors in the Mohawk community of Ganawage. Randy Cross and Stephen McComber are involved in the Three Sisters Mound Garden Project, a project to grow traditional Haudenosaunee foods for the community of Ganawage, for their food banks and also to anyone who needs the food, but to do it traditionally, including practicing some of their ancient ceremonies when it comes to growing these crops and to providing food for the community. And first we're going to hear from Stephen Macomber. And Stephen Macomber is a well-known seed keeper. He is the founder of the Haudenosaunee Seed Keepers Group. And he is known internationally as a traditional seed saver and keeper of traditional Iroquois seeds. He's also an award-winning sculptor and uh, received a Canada Council for the Arts Award in 1985. And many of his sculptures are in corporate and private collections as well as in the permanent exhibit at the pointe à callier museum and uh, when i uh, came uh, to the garden last week in gunawage uh, stephen met me there and we went straight to a patch of corn that was growing tuscarora white corn and um, we started to immediately talk about uh, the corn and its significance and what was going on there in the project and um, Stephen uh, started to uh, break off some cobs so, and, and take a look at the, how the corn was doing. So that's where, uh, where this interview uh, begins, right there in the middle of the corn.
1: Uh, right now, we're in uh, the Tree Sisters Garden or mound garden here in uh, beautiful downtown Gunawagi. <laughs> but not quite in the downtown area, but we're in Gunawagi. Well, uh, this is a field of uh, white Tuscarora corn. It's a, I guess, a traditional variety that's uh, used uh, mainly for uh, making flour, to make traditional uh, Iroquois or Mohawk or Haudenosaunee type of cornbread and corn soup. So you can hear me picking a, 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 one of the corn. There you are. Yeah, so these are some that are just getting, starting to get ready. There's a it's just beginning. In another week, uh, there'll be there'll be a lot more ready, as you could see. We we'll wait till the it begins to turn brown, like you like you see. Brown? No, no, the the husk. As you see, this one is partly. It's almost there, okay, but it still has a little bit green. So you don't want that uh, because what happens for us. Uh, the husk has to be brown, and as you see, we can pull it back. What we're going to do later is we're going to braid it into a big long braided chain, and then we're going to hang it up to to dry further uh, to use. So in order uh, to bra- uh, be able to braid it, the husk has to be brown. It doesn't matter if, if it's really dry, because all we need to do at that time when we'll braid it is we can just uh, spray it with uh, water. and it'll get soft again and, uh, and it'll be pliable enough to, uh, to weave into a, a braided chain. So a chain could be anywhere from 25 to, to 50 cobs. So if we have a, a 50 cob braid, they'll give us roughly um, about a five foot chain. So this is uh, the way we traditionally uh, um, store our corn. So this garden here is part of, of a project that, that's uh, tied to a community initiative as part of uh, food sovereignty or food security. And, and um, the main um, individual responsible to make this really happen is Mr. Randy Cross that you'll meet after a while and maybe get a chance to talk to him a little bit, okay? And, um, and so a lot of this is his idea to, uh, to make it come alive so you know uh, his focus is that our people survive on corn beans and squash at one time and of course over the years you know we're into you know pizza chinese food and everything else like anyone else in the world uh, you know uh, uh mcdonald's and you name it there it is but nevertheless uh you know as part of uh that idea of going back to the cultural things uh definitely uh it begins in the garden so it's uh, one of the biggest aspects of, of our culture and everything that we do in our culture is related to what goes on here in the gardens. So this is the way it started. So this is the second year. Uh, he has fun- funding from a community initiatives project. And But your,
0: your history with seed saving and, and gardening and so on goes way back, right?
1: Oh yes, I've been involved in, uh, since I've been a boy And over the years, uh, especially in the 1980s, I got uh, involved a lot with Seed Savers Exchange out there in Iowa. And uh, I was recently, well, five years ago, I was invited to Iowa to come help identify a lot of varieties that were put into the network, basically from me. And uh, there's a lot of history to a lot of seeds and the people that I had gotten from. But as part of our ways, like I always uh, interacted throughout the Confederacy, so that means here, uh, on Onondaga near Syracuse, New York. Uh, around the city of Buffalo, New York, there's a Tonawanda Reservation, an Allegheny Reservation, and a Cattaraugus Reservation near Brantford, Ontario, Six Nations Reserve, uh, near um, near Kingston, uh, Tyendinaga. So all through this area, and a little bit near London at Oneida. So yeah, I have always like, been involved in many, many things. and and uh, visiting older people and as part of uh, like i guess it's just our traditional ways of doing things we always talk about many things but it always ends up at some point talking about the garden and a lot of times it would begin by someone will say oh steve do you grow this in kanawagi and i said no and so next thing uh, you know uh, i remember an old man in in um Tonawanda, you know, he said, do you grow this kind of bean and you come in? I said, no. And the uh, next thing he turned around, came back and he had a whole big sack, uh, a big bag, or maybe it was 10 pounds of beans, and he just gave it to me uh, as part of their ways. But after a while, I began to realize uh, maybe not knowing it in the same way that people say today, but like in our ways, it's to keep it strong. So if you give it to a different community, it, it, uh, it grows there. And if it if it takes off, good, you know. So it requires some of that. Uh, it re-strengthens the seed. So just, instead of just being grown constantly in the same area for a long time, if you move it throughout your communities, it gathers that that strength, you know, uh, by growing it that way. So today, you know, uh, you know, people here, about, well, uh, well, we'll share with each other and move them around. So that's our, what our people traditionally did. So in a way, that's uh, like our traditional seed exchange, but. I was thinking about that one time, well, how do we have a traditional seed exchange? So in the springtime when we have ceremonies, uh, people bring seed uh, and they put it up in the bowl game and they bring uh, all seed that they had in their families and they put it there. So that's how we get this uh, exchange happening traditionally without looking at it, wow, now we're having the seed exchange, you know. It's something that we've always did and, you know, so like in our language, it's to make it stronger. I guess in a way genetically, and and uh, with the, the weather and everything. So over a number of years, I I just. It's just what i did and i never thought of myself as being a seed saver like people say well you're a seed saver you're this you're that people put those titles but to me i really always believe that it's something that you do it's something that you live so in my opinion it's just something that i do or that's what i really live i, I live it i do it and the only way it can happen is by coming out here and, and doing it all the time getting your children, my grandchildren involved. So my, my grandsons, they plant the garden. That's the way I learned. I had learned by my grandparents and my father too later on. And I remember some of the older people in town uh, here. So now with the different things going on in the world and, and even in, within our communities with uh, better health issues in regards to diabetes. So getting back to the ground and to the land and being involved as, uh, I guess right now, their technical advisor Uh, What goes on here, so we we plant by the moon phases. Uh, We plant with a ceremony that we burn tobacco, we sing songs, and then, then we have a planting. And then we go from there and then uh, different phases of the moon. In addition to that, over the years, I also learned about companion planting. Some things grow well with each other and some things don't grow well with each other. So we also plant our garden out like that. So tomatoes and corn really don't grow good side by side, even though there's a number of feet. But if they were right next to each other, they would find a problem with it. I have had that experience of being involved with a a garden somewhere else where uh, the people just. To put it right, and they they didn't have uh, a good crops. They didn't have good tomatoes, and they didn't have good corn because they were like literally like next to each other. Here we got like a ten foot space, so it's not so bad, you know. And then uh, at the same time, potatoes are there don't grow well next to vine crops, so we don't have them next to like melons or squash or pumpkins. So so that's part of that. So so in addition to all that, there's uh, uh, you know companion planting that we're also practicing here.
0: And, and you also plant sometimes by the phases of the moon. And well, so definitely, on, right?
1: all this garden here is planted by the phases of the moon. So in the first planting phase is in the half moon or the wax on part of it. So you just have to remember your uh, karate kit. And then if you remember that, and one person said, yeah, yeah. He says, you just remember your karate kit, then you wax on and that's when you plant, you see. So there are four phases of the moon. There's a new moon. There's the wax on or a half moon coming, the full moon and the moon going down. So in the first three parts of the moon, that's when the majority of planting is done. When the moon is going down, it's not time for planting at all. It's time for harvest, not even harvesting. It's time for soil preparation, pulling weeds, working the ground and getting ready for the next phases. So in addition to that, all these are also planted by moon phases too.
0: And um, I know uh, from speaking to you before that uh,
1: that green plants, all the green things, those were always planted in the new moon. In the new moon, yeah. Okay. So everything is in the new moon. All, all the crops that are under the ground, like potatoes, carrots, even though they're from seeds, anything that's a tuber, so that means garlic, that means onions, that means even your flower bulbs get planted in the full moon. At different parts of the of the season, there's some things that you plant in the springtime, uh, garlic and some flowers like uh, tulips and daffodils get planted in the full moon usually in October is a good time to do them you know because they need cold weather and that's the time to do it uh, potatoes need the cool weather so my potatoes were planted in the full moon in April so uh, another thing that's important for, uh, to observe is also to try to look at what the long-term forecast is in your area and plant by that so usually what I do, is because I'm invited to many conferences all over here in the United States and even in Mexico, I look at the long-term forecast uh, and uh, the, the days of the moon, you know, because they're all there. And you could you, know, you have access to information, but to learn to decipher is another thing that takes years. So now, after all these years, I can look at the moon and say, well, this is what we do, even if it was in the middle of January. I often get asked, "Well, what about the greenhouse?" Well, first of all, we didn't have greenhouses before, but since we do that, just apply the same knowledge that you apply in the garden to greenhouse. So start your tomatoes and that at that phase. The only thing that I really start indoor, along with tomatoes and peppers, uh, I would do those melons uh, one month before putting them in the garden. So I started at this time of the year, and then uh, in uh, like in May or in uh, april depending what the season would be so what happened most of it would be transplanted to the garden mostly in june so i would do them in the, the half moon of of may just because the weather we had and this year the long-term forecast was exactly as it was forecasted uh the spring uh we had it was a bit cool uh we didn't have much rain uh may was the like really incredibly uh diverse month we had hot weather that we had cold we had snow then we had frost almost right in the beginning of June so any any plants uh, wouldn't survive that the only one that did okay for me at that time was potatoes because it prefers cold weather so that I I already knew from the long-term forecast but for the for the most I had to wait to June to make a lot of things happen and and there you are so the corn was planted here in this garden in May in the half moon of May or the wax on. Uh, we waited to the moon in June for the beans because they need the warmer weather. So but, that's but what you, happened.
0: But you wouldn't have planted the corn during the full moon, right? That's no, not, not at all. No, not no. at all. Yeah. No. And, and I think you told me once that uh, if you've got a tree in a pot and you want to plant the tree,
1: yeah. you should plant it in the full moon. Exactly. So anything that gets transplanted into the garden, uh, a tree, berry bushes. All transplanting, even the plants that you have in your house, if you have tomatoes or whatever, are better in the full moon because it has has to do with the gravitational pull on the world because as you know, that's when it rises the oceans. So it has this, uh, it has a gravitational pull. So the same thing for any kind of plants that you're uh, transplanting into the garden is in the full moon. Okay. Okay. And has it been difficult to preserve
0: seeds in this world today?
1: Yes, it is very, it's very challenging. We have to try to grow. Uh, last year, some of the varieties that we had gotten, other than some of the traditional varieties that I, I brought here, uh, there was a lot of challenges because uh, we don't know what it's like from seed companies or where you get them from. So I advocate uh, strongly for more local type of seed companies. And for me, one of the best local seed companies is Turner Soil, because they're local and they have a, a wide uh, selection of, of uh, seeds that are grown locally. So a lot of times you go and seeds, like you, you, you get seeds from any seed company, half of them are grown on the other side of the world. They have beautiful pictures and we think that's what we're going to get in the garden. Mm-hmm. But often, we get bigger disappointments. So last year, we had gotten some seeds from a different seed company, and uh, we were very disappointed with that. There's things that we got from Turner Soil because they're localized, they're climatized. That's the thing. It has to do with the climate. It has to do with the, the length of the day. And where we are, we have a longer day. And as you know, if you go up to James Bay, it's daylight right around the clock. So it has to length with the day. Seeds that grow further south have a shorter day. And so that's why you can't bring a corn from mexico and grow it here yes it'll grow but it won't produce a fruit because it has to wait to after in september when the day begins to get shorter so it then the its automatic clock comes on but we don't have enough season after that point because every day gets shorter and shorter and shorter so it won't make a seed so the best thing is uh, buy local varieties once again i love turn the soil because they're local and it has such a beautiful assortment of everything that you could want i think he has one or two watermelons everybody enjoys watermelons and so there's a couple varieties of watermelons that he has we're not really a watermelon country we have a couple varieties that do good here and that's what you want so those those are those are part of the things but this year to get seed it's getting more challenging we had birds coming to the garden and pull out some of the the plants and then after that we had different kind of bugs but because there's an imbalance in nature that. and
0: and, um also you you mean must be difficult with genetically engineering you know and and the the whole gm crops with when it comes to corn is it difficult to to uh, preserve your seed in the face of that
1: well yes it is uh so part of that is that uh as you could see basically we're growing in kind of an isolation we're surrounded, and then where we are in this part of the community, there are no other uh, um, uh, corn being produced here or a different type. So, uh, so that's one of the things that we're striving for, is so to try to maintain uh, as pure as possible uh, what we have, and, 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 and to regenerate from year to year by growing them out. You know, the belief is that if you uh, put the seeds in the storage somewhere, it's not going to acquire the genetic memory and so what i mean by that the genetic memory is that what happens is that like uh, myself and yourself well our our combined age gives us maybe 120 years maybe not even that so our consciousness only knows that but these plants have been growing for countless centuries and they they've gone through cold weather hot weather rain no rain uh the whole gamut of uh things that go on with weather So as they go along, they adapt to their seasons. So the thing is, lately, the last, within the last 10 years, the fall here has been getting longer. And I remember like two, three years ago it went, uh, we didn't even have a frost and and in December. It was still mild out, okay? So it doesn't matter what the fall is gonna do, okay? And And it can go right to, in fact, that year, we didn't get no snow until almost February. It doesn't matter what happens in the fall, all right? The thing is, plants are, are day-lent lent sensitive. So that's the thing, all right? And so uh, 50 years from now, whoever is going to be here, you know, get seeds that are frozen, they're not going to have that genetic memory. So what has to happen is, on, continuously is to grow them out every year. So you grow things all in a rotation. One year you grow so many varieties, you skip a year or two and grow other ones and that, you rotate your crops in different areas as you see here. Last year we had uh, corn here and uh, different crops here. So this year we had a cover crop and we tilled under as we're getting ready to plant the cover crop for the winter. So we try to work with the, the land, the soil, the best that we humanly possible. This land here right now is 100% organic. Uh, there are no chemical fertilizers. There are no chemical pesticides. Uh, the bugs were picked by uh, the students uh, by hand uh, off here, and and everything that we could do this year. We had a challenge with uh, or uh, vine borer. Vine borer. Yeah. This has been a challenge, but we've been learning about it. So next year we're going to get at it. Okay. But uh, that's that's what's happening. And
0: and when it comes to like the cultural beliefs about corn and mm-hmm. beans and squash, I mean it's all interwoven in a lot of your stories, right? Yes, it is. Yeah. And so, like, um, like to, for you, like, uh, what's special to you
1: about corn? You know. Well, uh, for me, it's it's actually uh, along with the the all three of them together. It goes right back to the, the creation story, and it's the the fabric of uh, most of our ceremonies. When you understand what all our ceremonies are about, they're all, it's all interwoven, in, and we're interwoven in every, everything uh, together. What The only thing that I would say for myself that I, I feel good about, at least today in our schools, we're teaching our own children about it. When I went to school, they never taught us none about this thing. They never taught us to be proud of uh, what our culture is. And as far as it goes, this is uh, First Peoples, I guess something that we shared with the whole world. We have a lot to be proud of, you know. Uh, this is a wonderful gift, and and in all the indigenous communities where they're able to grow things, uh, corn, beans, and squash are the you know the uh, the basic uh, fabric of the foundation of, of culture uh, and food, and the maintenance of, of food and healthy food is there so yes people are you know today we're diabetic like i'm diabetic because you know we change the way we eat our our lifestyles are different than before uh we get into fast food because we got a we got running out out of a job we got uh, 20 minutes to eat and that and so everybody we're all products or uh, of circumstances but uh, and then at the same time uh we weren't allowed certain things, you know. We never learned this stuff in school. I was asked one time, why come there's, there seems to be a gap? And, and at first, I I didn't really know, okay, why. And then somebody said, well, was talking about like abuse, uh, an abusive uh, elder and this and that. Then it's there that it dawned on me. It's because of the residential schools, okay. And so some of that knowledge was stopped. And so we have to relearn you know uh with a lot of things and and different things have happened you know i mean like uh you know if you're taught like uh well jesus loves everybody and then you have a priest or nun and smacking you with a stick that happened to me when i was a boy and that was this in indian day school there must be a different jesus they're they're talking about you know and, and so all those are effects that affect your culture, affects you, who you are as, as a person. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're taught to be ashamed of, of what your heritage is. And, and, and so now the knowledge of our, our forefathers, you know, look what's going on in the environment. They always talk about living in harmony. At one time, there was thousands of birds. On a day like today, the sky would be full of birds. There isn't any, why? because they spray everything, kills off the birds. So when we get a lot of rain, we get all kinds of bugs on our, our plants. So you got to spray the plants. If you don't spray the plants, then they eat the plants. So then the only thing you can do is like uh, hand pick them. And that's what we've been doing. That's being organic, you know. So there, there's a lot of challenges uh, culturally, there's a lot of challenges uh, traditionally, and there's a lot of challenges all the way around uh, environmentally. And, and I know that, for example, like there's something to do with corn and milk, right?
0: Like the, the, yes. the, the even like a similarity to human milk. Uh. Yes.
1: So uh, what happened is a long time ago, uh, if a mother uh, didn't have any milk to nurse, they, they would use a fine, fine corn flour and, uh, and put that in their mouth and uh, make the saliva and feed the baby that way. I've heard some of the old people like that. I've even heard uh, people in Mexico talk that way. And so part of our, our, our creation story, it says that uh, that corn grew from the breasts of the mother the earth. So what is in the breasts of the mother is milk. And if you take corn like now, like sweet corn, what comes out of it is milk. So this corn is full of milk, but now it's gone beyond that stage where it's getting to dry back. So now it's turning into a flower or still kind of preserves throughout the winter. And then if times get hard and mother has no milk, she can use the corn flour to, to feed a child. So it's still there. Uh, so uh, S-
0: Stephen, I was maybe gonna ask you um, like about the processing of the corn. So you dry it and then um, what what are the steps?
1: It's starting to get brown. When uh, the majority of it's already uh, brown, uh, it's able to uh, uh, to husk it. And so the, uh, the, so the next thing that's gonna happen is we're gonna get together with a, a bunch of volunteers in community and have uh, maybe a, a weekend of uh, picking the corn, husking the corn, and then uh, preparing it to a braided chain. And then the corn was gonna be put in that corn crib that you see over here being uh, built this year. Last year we used one of those containers, but it didn't have enough airflow. So he moved it in, indoors to another location uh, and so that's what's gonna happen. So that's the first process. So then at some time when the corn is gonna be uh, dry enough and ready to use, then we're gonna use hardwood ashes, the ashes of a hardwood, like an oak or a hard maple, and use that and, uh, and clean the corn with that. Uh, take off the outer hull or skin, and then go on to let it dry again to make uh, flour or go on from that stage uh, to wash it some more and uh, cook it up and then that will uh, make a hominy and uh, turn it into soup. So those will be the stages for it. And then the ash, you
0: just, uh, it's like a wash, you rub it well, on? Well, the,
1: no, no, the, the ash has to be boiled in a pot, okay. a big container. And uh, there's all different amounts that people use, but roughly it's one big large cup or cup and a half of, uh, of the hardwood ash, sift it, Okay, I learned that the hard way. You got to sift it out because you get big chunks of coal in there. Sift it out and then um, the moment that it's ready, you throw the corn in there. And what will happen is that uh, the the, the corn is white but it'll turn like a bright orange-red. And shortly after, it'll change color again and then already the skins will start to come off.
0: And, and, and does that, is that similar to like in Mexico, how when they make their corn flour? Mixed yeah,
1: yeah. That's exactly what yeah. they're doing. Okay. I see those birds over there and they're talking to each other. Now I wonder if they're saying the corn is ready at the farm. And those are crows. And, they, and those
0: are crows. And they like to eat corn. <laughs> that's
1: it. Hopefully, uh, hopefully they're going to just keep on going. So, uh, so that's, it. that's the whole process. So in Mexico, they use lime, a limestone. They do the same thing, they, they bring it to a boil and then they let it set. They set it overnight and then the next morning, the, all the hulls come off and they rinse it out and then they grind their corn that the, the kernel is uh, moist and they make a paste with it and then they slap it between their hands and then they make tortillas that way. And uh, do, do you have
0: your own grinders, I guess? Yeah,
1: we can p- pound it in a log or different corn grinders uh, uh, that uh, people have, over, you know.
0: So some people still pound it in a log.
1: Well, yeah. I do. Yeah. St- wow. but, but I do it mostly for ceremony. Okay. Uh, pound it in a log because it, it is a lot of labor intensive, but it's, it's still, it still comes out quite well.
0: Nice, nice.
1: And and then it, when
0: it comes to the squash, did was it traditional to to um, like uh, store a squash all winter long? Or
1: well, some of them can can keep quite well on their own, but at the same time, uh, there was a way to dry them by cutting uh, cutting them into spirals and hang up the spiral and uh, let it get close to a little bit of a, a heat source. Because uh, as you c- can tell in the, the fall, the heat begins to change. When there's nice sunny days, then of course but a lot of them would put it behind like a wood stove now where there's a constant heat, you know? And that, and that works. And, then, and that works,
0: yes. And then when it's dry, you could just like throw it in a soup or... Uh, exactly. Okay. Exactly. Oh, very interesting. And you know, when you plant the corn, um, do, is there, is there traditionally like a situation, I mean, I've seen it before where, where women sing sing to the corn and
1: like yes we we uh, we also begin our our planting season with women singing to the corn and we did that here on the very first day in the moon phase we had a ceremony here we had a fire we burned tobacco and then we had some women come along and sing some planting songs definitely so that that song goes back to the creation of the world that's a beautiful thing uh, when you see
0: it happen absolutely uh, and do you think that's part of the problem in the society, the, in the mainstream society, that there isn't enough gratitude for, for food and
1: for the plants? And uh, I think so, because what happens is that it, it reflects overall knowledge towards everything, even towards one another when, when coming to, to the plants. So there is a saying that our people use that we're not even supposed to talk or argue around the corn okay because the corn can hear because corn is alive just like you and i when you look at it that we are from corn so that's that's the whole thing and because um i did speak a number of years ago at a, a conference and, and i had said this way well i know that uh, the i said the non-natives and scientists say well uh, the native people use two kind of grass and, and they develop corn And I said, but uh, I said, they have the ability to go to the moon, but they still don't know how to develop corn. So after I finished speaking, there was a Mayan Indian that was there and he got up and he commented on what I had to say. He says, because they leave out the other third element, which is the spirituality. And that's what it is. When you understand that, and what is spirituality? spirituality doesn't mean that uh you have to be on your knees and praying it means the uh, the knowledge the application of knowledge which includes the respect the understanding the appreciation learning to live in harmony hand in hand with nature that's all the implied knowledge that uh builds up your the spirituality so if you want to call it religion or religious ways or religious practice it's a thing that you live it's not a thing that you just uh, save your religion for the weekend, you see, and say, well, on Sunday, we're going to go and pray. And then when they're praying, what do they pray for? They're always asking God, I want this. I want that. I want this. But in uh, in uh, native ways, we give thanks for what we got. If we got a lot, we have a lot to be grateful for. If we got a little, we're still uh, just as grateful because we were able to have something.
0: Absolutely. So true. I mean, I, I, me- I remember hearing once that you tried to plant a squash from seeds that came from an archaeological dig or that you got seeds that
1: w- came from yeah, a soil. Yeah, yeah. Is, is that true? Uh,
0: yeah. And w- what are some of the traditional Mohawk squashes? Do you, do you Well, have?
1: a lot of them are the patty Pans, uh, the Buffalo Creek, that no- uh, later became known as um, a Boston Marrow, uh, Canada Crooked Neck, which is another Iroquois variety, The yellow summer crooked necks, uh, squash, those are Haudenosaunee varieties, basically uh, varieties that have been grown out here in the East for countless uh, uh, generations. Uh, As you know that uh, the Abenaki are are like our closest neighbor. So there's a lot of uh, overlapping between some of our varieties and theirs because uh, actually Abenaki lived here with the Mohawks and Kahnawake in the late 1600s. So uh, what's important is that these varieties are still maintained and the knowledge is still applied to them to ensure that they, they grow well. Well, I can't think of anything else to ask you, but is there something that you want to say that maybe I haven't asked you about yet? <laughs> All I would say is uh, I would definitely encourage everybody, whatever they're able to do, even if it's, um, you know, I remember one of the elders told me, He says, you know, Steve, he says, you can live in New York City, and he says, and you can plant a tobacco in a flower pot and put it on your windowsill. So that still keeps the connection. So no matter where you are, you still can uh, maintain your identity. And our identity is hand in hand, what comes from our mother, the earth. So I encourage everybody, whatever they can do, because there's new challenges coming, and it's going to affect everybody and part of the food is security like now if i asked you do you have enough food in your your closet to last you a month two months three months six months i'm not talking about what's in your freezer because the power can go off what do you have dry what do you have hanging what can you do it's a good question you know
0: so that was my interview with stephen mccomber stephen mccomber is also known as silver bear And he is one of the traditional Mohawk ceremonial faith keepers of the Mohawk Trail Longhouse in Ganawage. He's also an award-winning sculptor and someone who is known internationally as a traditional seed saver and a keeper of traditional Iroquois seeds. He's been passing on his knowledge uh, to people, which he learned from his grandmother. And, uh, you know, he's been traveling all over the Americas, um, exchanging seeds with other indigenous people. So uh, I also met up with Randy Cross, who is one of the originators of the project. Randy Cross, who spearheaded the project and is the coordinator of the project, he's going to speak more about it in this interview. The funding for the project came through the Community Initiatives Fund. So here is Randy Cross uh, describing uh, the project to me.
2: It's a communal garden, okay? basically. Because okay. the food that we grow here is uh, meant for the community. No charge. It's uh, it'll get to the community, the people who need food, and it'll be distributed. We've been kind of distributing it through the cattery food basket, and uh, last year, and we're starting this year. So it's basically to get back to uh, free food. Nice. You know, uh, the food basically is all locked up for hundreds of years now and we're going to free food and uh, people do some work and get some food and people are not going to be starving they'll be taken care of and uh, it's all about sharing and our community and that's basically what we how we were traditionally is a group of people that nations that that share the food that were always thinking about the well-being of our people.
0: And do you find that there's becoming more and more interest in that in the community?
2: Yeah, well, right now, uh, there seems to be a need because of the climate change, because of a uh, pandemic with the COVID-19. And you we get to see that more and more this is needed. And not to just do this when there's a pandemic, but to start back from where we left off hundreds of years ago, to be able to um, supply, to get back to feeding the people with good nutrition and organic foods. So I see it across Indian country that this is happening here and there from coast to coast. And uh, so this is a part of uh, are doing to help in uh, getting back to our traditional ways and it's uh, very important because it's just not just corn beans and squash it's the spiritual part of all the food that we're doing you know there's a connection going back to our original instructions on what we're supposed to do as a people and it's uh, something new i'm not a farmer and i'm learning uh, with uh, Steve and uh, So it takes time You know, I'm, I'm a father. I'm a grandfather. I'm a great-grandfather So I see the need and the people in the community see also see the need So I'm kind of basically doing the will of the people on what uh, They feel is right to be doing now. We are always supposed to think about the next seven gener- generations and this is what it's about. And with the knowledge that I get to be able to pass it on to the next generation so that we all the people can be taken care of.
0: I mean, obviously, f- food, uh, the in- inflation is going up and the price of food is going up right now. And they have droughts in the Midwest, right? And uh, so it seems all the more important, right?
2: Yeah, it's very important. More than any time because of, the world situation, and uh, we're always, people always, if there's a problem, they react to the problem. What we're trying to do before there's a problem, a bigger problem, is to um, nip it in the bud, sort of, before there's a problem. So we're gonna be proactive on this, and just keep on like a snowball effect. Hopefully, we would have a million bushels of, of corn and all the food that we need to sustain our community. And uh, across the country, people, other native communities, uh, I've been following them and can help each other. This is my second year that it's not really uh, easy to be a farmer. We got the, the weather conditions, and, and uh, it's a really a big learning curve uh, right now that we're in. and. What we need is people that will be interested in doing farming. And there is, like right now, some uh, learning, some at school to, uh, pertaining to agriculture. So hopefully, like we have like 13 uh, people wh- from our community that are going to do an 11-month program, 12-month program, and to learn the basics. They're learning right now soil. Soil is very important. So you learn all these things, the basics of what it takes and you're just going to put it to work in principle and get it to physically doing it. That's the main uh, thing that we're trying to do. We gotta, we need people that are willing to do this kind of work. And more of like a, not fly by night, but more of a, a really 12-month sustainable uh, workforce that can do this kind of work and that's needed. So it's uh, basically a 12-month cycle to do it. So we need the people, that's the main thing, people to learn. That's what's missing, and, and we have right now, like for me, you have to have the will, and I have the will. And, I, and that's what you need, people that feel the same way, that would eat really good food, and it's a big difference to have things grown right in your community. Um, and by, the, by your own people, or anybody that can help, so it's a very plus plus for us
0: and and do you plan to expand do you think you'll be expanding
2: yeah well right now the amount of uh plants that we have in the ground i've already five times it from last year and we are taking um see how long it's going to take to harvest so it's one step at a time hopefully yeah, we'll grow further if it's possible because we have to I have to protect the corn beans and squash from all the external uh, Things that will come in and to try to eat everything we put up an electric fence and uh, Mostly everything is done by hand The harvest and uh, So it's a uh, if it's possible to go bigger That's our plan is because the more we get to put in the ground, the more food there there is for our community. And uh, where you get like from one corn, one corn will give you at least 200, 250 corn. So we planted like over 13,000 corn right now. And so you do 200 times that, that's the potential that we have. So, uh, but it's not only growing food, It's teaching the people how to use the food, how you prepare food, cooking the food, storing the food, and basically your seed saving. And uh, so it's a lot of things. For me, I have to think two, three years in advance, what it takes, and uh, be prepared, and uh, and know exactly what you you have to do in the future. So it's, uh, for me, like, uh, it's a one-step-at-a-time process.
0: Do you consider uh, ceremony important when it comes to planting? Uh...
2: Yes. Uh, well, like I said, it's about spirituality, and this is all carried on in our, uh, our, our ways of uh, being, our instructions, which is tied very much to the spirituality of the, a living plant, and having the people have their responsibilities what they have to do to to carry on and it's uh, very important that connection
0: and uh is there support uh, from you know other parts of the community uh, coming your way uh, like um i don't know does the band council support the project or
2: the the initiative came about by the uh Gatawagi collective impact which is a uh group that is made to see what the people want in the community to benefit the whole community. And we came up with, uh, there were six different initiatives and this initiative came ahead of all the initiatives and was picked by the community uh, to go ahead. And uh, I'm just following the wishes of the community to get this uh, initiative complete. And uh, through the support of uh, different programs in our community, through the uh, MCK, through uh, other uh, budgets and funding agencies in our community, we have uh, we've been supported all the way through to till today. And uh, with great help and uh, my appreciation for what has been happening and. Uh, like I said, this is an initiative basically from the community, from the people that this is what they seem, seem to be important. And I'm just happy and to be able to do it. It's my pleasure and my, I find that it's my responsibility to carry on. And we have this great support so far and basically to get everything done that we said we're going to do. And it's happening for the second year great beautiful corn uh, on radio land you can't see but we have this beautiful white Tuscarora corn that just has just been picked and it's ready for drying so uh, braiding then drying and uh, the proof is right in my hands right in our hands that this is what it's all about it's not like uh, abstract it's reality and it's a really good feeling and uh, I'm very satisfied with it.
0: And that was an interview w- with Randy Cross, who is the coordinator of the Three Sisters Mound Garden Initiative, uh, a project in Ganawage to grow food for people in Kahnawake, uh, to do it traditionally and to have a storehouse of food that would be there for food banks and for whoever needs it and to do it in a traditional Haudenosaunee way thanks for listening to the equilibrium radio podcast bringing you news and information about ecology agriculture and living in harmony with the natural world thanks for listening